0: me add my welcome this morning. My name's Lloyd Shadrach. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, serving alongside Rob Sweet, who's our lead pastor. You know, we're one church with two two locations. Rob teaching this week down at Franklin. I'll be there next week. You know how we do that, but I know there's always guests, and so we just want you to be aware of that. And to our guests, or those who are just, you know, beginning to visit, um, we we really want to encourage you to take a next step, and that would be what would it look like for you to plug into the to, to the life of the community. And may I say this? <clears throat> there are so many good churches in our community. Our heart is to help you get plugged into a community of faith. If it's at fellowship, fantastic. But it doesn't have to be. <clears throat> you know, Brentwood Baptist over here, an amazing church, and dozens within our community. But if you want to plug in at fellowship, the place to start would be uh, going online to slash intro uh, and go to an intro class. And that's where you can sign up for that. and. Uh, just, you'll find tons of information beyond that on the website. So that's where we want to orient you. We are, you know, we're at a place in our church history, if you've, you've been around this summer, where we've been celebrating 25 years. So we look back at 25 years of God's faithfulness. And we're at a juncture. We're here, you know, looking, Lord, your faithfulness in the next 25. But I'll tell you right here, there's some things happening. We sense the spirit as we're singing of God blowing and moving us in ways that, It's going to require a step of faith from all of us. And uh, this is going to be unlike any fall that we've experienced over the last 20 years. And so that's why we are inviting everyone to attend what we're calling a town hall meeting. And you'll see this on the screen. We've got six of them. So if fellowship is your church home, if you're considering it your church home, we want everyone to attend one of these meetings. We didn't want to take the time on a Sunday to walk through some of these things with you. We want to do it with you in a smaller setting. <clears throat> so there's three for Brentwood, three for Franklin, but hear this, if you can't make any of the Brentwood dates, go to Frank. it's all the same. And, and I tell Franklin the same thing. If <clears throat> you're at Franklin, you can't make those, come to the one at Brentwood. It's one church, two locations. So please uh, make a point to do that. You can go to Fellowship fellowshipbiblechurch.org Dot org slash town hall, and there's, you can sign up for childcare. So we would want you to register that you're coming to the meeting, okay? Um, and, and then also, <laughs> this relates to the town hall meetings, this relates to our next 25 years. <laughs> we are two weeks away from, from a Sunday we call Fellowship Together. And on that Sunday, uh, no one will be in this room. Now, I'm sure someone will be here, <laughs> but they won't get in the room. So we're telling you now, we will all be worshiping together at the curb event center. Okay. Y'all it's been 20 years since we've done this. So it's this only the second time we've done it. So all three services at Franklin, all three services here at Brentwood, Fellowship Bible Church will be under one roof at the curb event center. And that really is a kickoff to four weeks where we're going to be unpacking <coughs> some steps of faith that we're going to be taking together as a community of faith. So Mark it on your calendars. Um, be sure to uh, go, go online. <laughs> and we've got the website up here where you can, the what's happening page actually. Uh, you wanna look at that because we're meeting in a, in a public event space. It's like going to a concert and you know how that goes these days. Uh, you have to clear bag. bag. You know, you know, there's, there's different things. There's security issues that we want everyone to be aware of because they will have security uh, as we use that facility for our service that day. <clears throat> Finally, I wanna thank you for your giving. You know, we we trust that God owns everything and, and, and a part of our following Jesus is stewarding that which he's entrusted to us. And picture, if, if you're new to fellowship, the picture of that is generosity. It's the hands open that God what God puts in our hands, we <coughs> we distribute. We'll be talking a lot about that uh, this fall. But thank you for your regular giving. Uh, thank you for your tithes, offerings, giving above and beyond at times. Uh, it, it It enables all of us, you see, to live out our mission. That's why we exist (laughs) locally and globally. And I want you to bow your heads one more time as I (laughs) thank God for his gracious generosity to us. Father, we are so grateful to gather this morning to sing, to pray, to sit under your word. Lord, thank you for your generosity to us as a community of faith. Lord, I thank you for our body and the generosity that flows through them for your purposes and your plans. May we steward all that you entrust to us as a community of faith in ways <clears throat> excuse me that expand your kingdom and bring you glory. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to John chapter 14. You know, we're working through the, the, the gospel of John. John chapter 14, we're joining a conversation that started uh, all the way back in chapter 13. Uh, Monty Spurge and Mike Vogt taught through, those, uh, th- taught through that chapter. We call this the upper room discourse. <clears throat> Y'all, This is these are Jesus's last words in a very intimate setting <clears throat> with those he loves most. Uh, it's a private conversation in a sense but it's public to us we get to hear it and listen in they don't know it but 24 hours from now Jesus will be beaten and crucified and dying on a cross what do people say to those they love the most on their deathbed I would venture to say they say the most important things and things that matter most That's what we're hearing. Three years before this very intimate meal, these disciples had had been called to follow this rabbi. So let's go back three years. Jesus is a nobody, quite frankly, but he's a rabbi and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So you got 12 men who've who've chosen to follow this rabbi for three years. Now they do it because they believe he's the Messiah. He's the savior. he's, He's the one that's gonna restore Israel. Three years later, they're at dinner. (laughs) And he's in a sense saying, it's over. I mean, literally, it's one piece of bad news after another in this meal. One of you is gonna betray me. What? Who? (laughs) Right? Peter, you know, the rock, (laughs) the vocal one. You're gonna deny me three times. And then he looks at all, and he says, "All of you are going to desert me." Can you imagine what's going? I mean, their heads have got to like what? <clears throat> and then the, the hammer falls, the hammer falls." Because he says <clears throat> Rob covered it last week he says to them, "I'm leaving." You're what?" I'm leaving. Now, <laughs> I don't know that we can grasp what that does in them, and I can't get close to it. <clears throat> but I will say this, and I'm, I'm laughing at myself. So when I write a message, you know, I'm, I just type my, am typing my message. I'm typing like I'm talking. And <clears throat> so I thought, how do we, how do we feel? Just even just an inkling <clears throat> of what they felt. And so I literally wrote an introdu- I wrote this, an introduction to this message where <clears throat> I was going to stand up and say, "Open your Bibles to, open your Bibles to uh, John 14." I don't know how else to get into this, but I'm leaving. This was my last Sunday at Fellowship, and I was going to do it with total straight face. <laughs> and then I kept writing, and I'm t- this is God is my witness. My own heart started racing, and I went, "Oh my gosh, why am I? I'm I'm, I'm getting dizzy thinking." And I thought, "I can't do that." Now, some of you would with him like, "Okay, good, see so you later." Like, but not, I don't think. <laughs> but to the degree. In all honesty, my heart, I go, I, that's not a good introduction. But I, I don't need to do that. But, but it, 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 would, it would only touch slightly. It wouldn't even come close. But Jesus said, I'm leaving. Do, can we even comprehend what they felt? No, you're the Messiah. We left everything. Yeah, and I'm leaving. <clears throat> No wonder that the the thread that holds the whole upper room discourse together is the verse that Rob unpacked last week as he took us through those first 14 verses when Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Why would he say that? Because their hearts were troubled. Of course, of course. The word trouble carries the idea here to be shaken up, to be disturbed. Unsettled, thrown into confusion, to be characterized by distress or affliction. May I say, there's no one in the room, no one, <clears throat> there's no one online watching me now who does not live life with trouble, you know, or without trouble. We, I don't, you may be on the high end of your trouble, you may be on the low end of of trouble, but all of us in fallen bodies, on a fallen in a fallen world, with each other, we we have trouble. <laughs> Things cause distress, unsettledness within us. <laughs> the question is, what's our way through trouble? When our hearts, are, our hearts are coming apart, when things are not going the way we intended it to go. See this, what, what's happening to them is they, ha- they had expectations and they ran into God's plan. <laughs> and that's what happens to me and you as well. Over the next 24 hours by their own words and their own actions, <clears throat> the trouble gets the best of them. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I mean, we're going to read it. <clears throat> Judas betrays him. Peter denies him three times. All of them leave him. They desert him while he's on the cross. <clears throat> and, and all of them in the end, quite frankly, will, you read it in Acts, they, they end up hiding Like after he's killed, they go and hide and close the door. Why? Because they don't want what happened to him to happen to us. (laughs) That's what happens to these men. (laughs) If you fast forward though, when you get to the first chapters of Acts, you see these same men, literally, you know, street preaching to trust Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel. Right in front of the very religious leaders <coughs> that they're actually hiding from over here. No, they they, they have they, they, it's like an, it's like they're possessed in the best sense of the word by something outside of themselves, and they preach the gospel. They're they're arrested, they're beaten, <coughs> they're killed. They keep on going. You go, oh my gosh, what what's the difference between them over here and then them here? <coughs> what happened? Well, obviously, there's, there's a number of things that happen, <clears throat> but most significantly, as we read even in the book of Acts, they do get something. They get the person of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, for many, if not most Christ followers, <clears throat> he is, as someone has said, the forgotten member of the Trinity. Uh, we, we don't talk about him that much. It's like... Well, who, who is he? What, what is he? I thought he was a mist. I thought he was a ghost. What, what, what is he? <coughs> well, in the upper room discourse, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. What I'm going to talk about today in verses 15 to 31, <coughs> let's just call it a primer. Because two weeks from now, we're going to pick up chapter 16. I'm going to be teaching again. <coughs> and I'll, you know what I'm going to be teaching on in two weeks? The Holy Spirit. <coughs> and then you know what Jesus talks about after that? The Holy Spirit, all the way through the upper room discourse. This primer today, I'm going to move through through the text in this way. We'll look at uh, the presence of the Spirit, 15 to 17, 18 to 23 is the witness of the Spirit, 24 to 26 is the work of the Spirit, and then we'll end where he speaks of the peace of the Spirit. And I say primer because, listen, there's so much the Spirit does, there's so much to be said. We can't say it all in this message, but boy, we'll unpack it even more through the upper room discourse. Whatever is troubling your heart this morning, Jesus is inviting you to depend on the spirit. If you're not there, go ahead and get to John chapter 14. I'm starting in verse 15, the presence of the spirit. God's word for us today Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even, that word even, you go, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you that word helper is the Greek paraclete. It's a it's two Greek words. Um, you've got uh, para, which means al- come along, is alongside, and kaleo is to call out. And so the paraclete's the one who is called alongside the believer and, and who, who calls out the believer. And it's why we, it's like in your, in your translations, we teach from the ESV. I know everybody didn't have that. Depending on your Bible, you put that word paraclete, uh, the, one, the one called alongside to call out, and you'll get these translations. You know, yours may say comforter, teacher, advocate, counselor, guide, i.e. helper. The reality is no, there's, <clears throat> there's no one English word that really captures that, that Greek word paraclete. might say it like this, whatever your trouble, (laughs) your need of the moment, uh, the spirit will be what you need (laughs) in that moment. We can get even more specific what Jesus, say it this way, what Jesus has been to these disciples, right, over these three years, the spirit will now be to them. Every bit of Jesus. So so think about it. What what does the spirit do? Everything that Jesus has done for them, the spirit now does for them. When you put your trust in Christ, it is the Holy Spirit who has opened your eyes to even understand the gospel, to believe it, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. We don't understand it apart from the spirit opening our eyes. And when we trust Christ, we say, Jesus, I trust that you did that for me. We are indwelt by the spirit. The spirit, Jesus says, the spirit will be where? Not beside you, he'll be in you. Paul says in Romans 8, 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now it's interesting, isn't it? He he calls the spirit, the spirit of God. He calls the spirit, the spirit of Christ, (laughs) which is it? Yes, yes, and yes. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. Uh, Jesus says he will be in you. I'm gonna be in here in two weeks, but look at chapter 16, verse seven. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. (laughs) For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. How many of us at times have, have said, look, I just need, I, if I could only see Jesus. I, I mean, I've done this. I mean, gosh, if Jesus was just, were, was just with me, you know, we, we go, that, that, that would get me through this. <clears throat> and the reality is <clears throat> we have a distinct advantage over the disciples in, in, where they are right now in that <clears throat> they were with Jesus all those years, Okay. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the spirit and the spirit's actually going to be in you. Y'all, Yo, Jesus in us, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ living in us, not beside us. You know, I always think about this too, because when we say, man, I wish, I wish I was like disciples and I was actually with Jesus. Well, let's just look at the evidence. They were with him for three years and they deserted him, you know what I'm saying? So that it's not Jesus being with you physically. It's Jesus being in us by the person of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this <clears throat> I want to make that point. Please understand when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're speaking of a person, not a mist, not a ghost, not a vapor, but the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in us. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. <clears throat> you know what? It's Christ who lives in me. <laughs> Wait a minute, Paul, how can Christ live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ's presence in us. Secondly, the witness of the Spirit, 18 to 23. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Most scholars think when he says, I will come to you, he's actually speaking of his post-resurrection appearances, that he's gonna come back. And we, we think that because the next phrase, yet a little while. In other words, in 24 hours, he's gonna be on the cross. In three days, he's gonna be in the the tomb three days and then he's coming alive. He'll be there. So I'm coming to you. That's what they think he's referring to. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more. He doesn't present himself to those who who, who haven't trusted him, who who he hasn't walked with. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. Resurrection, he's resurrecting alive. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest. <clears throat> this is key, and I'll, and I'll make myself known to him. Judas, <clears throat> and I just love the way it's written, not Iscariot, <laughs> you know, like, uh, don't get confused here. <clears throat> Different Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Because they want him to show himself to the world. I mean, we're, we're here to follow you so that you'd show the whole world who you are. <clears throat> Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Now just stop for a moment. And we will come to him and make our home in him. Who's the we? I'm not tricking you here. Who's the we? He's just said, the father and I. Now now connect this. Rob covered this last week. Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going to to my father's house because I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to my father's home because I got a room for you. I'm preparing there. And now he says in this text that the father and I are going to make a home in you. Now this understand, I can I can't fully explain this, but he's just said nothing less than it's in some way, the Trinity lives in us." Now think about it in this way, within the text. look at verse 20 again. "In that day you will know this is, we think this is the day of Pentecost when the spirit you know, comes to them. In that day you will know, watch this. OK. I, Jesus, got it, Jesus, am in uh, the Father. Okay, you're in the Father, got it. And then he says, and you, okay, this is me, that's me. So he says, and you are in in me, got it. So so, so, so I'm in Jesus, and then Jesus, I can't even do it, I got two hands, is in the Father, right? But then he says, you know, and then he says, I, meaning himself, that, that he's in me. So now, what, it's like it blows your head apart, I think. Wait, he's in me, <laughs> I'm in him, and we're all in the father. In, in a way, again, that's so difficult to grasp, but what I think is so evident in this <clears throat> is he is describing a connectedness and intimacy a, a, a belongingness that I don't even know that we have words for when we're in Christ. Do you guys remember, and you've probably maybe heard of this, the, the quote from Blaise Pascal, You know, and, and it's, uh, it's actually a paraphrase that most people say, uh, where Pascal has said to us, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person and it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. I, I, I believe this is in a sense what he's describing, that our, our hearts, that vacuum within us that all of us long to belong, to be connected, <laughs> it's only satisfied by the triune God. <laughs> only God can satisfy the deepest sense of belonging and connection, dare I say, intimacy that our hearts yearn for, your marriage can't give it. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, there's no human relationship can satisfy that longing, but the spirit of God is he indwells us. You know, Judas asks, why don't you make yourself known to the world? And Jesus' answer is quite profound. He says, my father and I will indwell those who put their trust in in me. (laughs) And therefore, my manifestation of myself to the world who doesn't know me is through you. It's through you, spirit indwelt believer. Now for us, it it, it says this, that when we speak about helping people follow Christ, come to know Christ, follow him, make him known. You see, people people aren't generally someone who doesn't know Christ. It's not that they're reading their Bible to get to know him. They're reading you. They're reading me. Is the Holy Spirit in me evidencing himself outside of me, in my words, in my actions? What a responsibility and and what a privilege. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Christ living in us. The witness of the Spirit is that our lives, this is, and it's just crazy. Think about that God entrusts his own reputation in me. He, He turns it over to you. To show the world who he is and what he's like. Then the work of the Spirit, 24 and 26. Whoever does not love me doesn't keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Oh, how many times has he said that? These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, because he's getting ready to leave. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will, two things, teach you all things. Secondly, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, okay, the spirit dwells us and then he he teaches and he brings to remembrance. Now, first application, of course, is to the apostles. He's speaking to them. And so y'all, the very words we're reading, think about this. It's the Holy Spirit who opened the apostles' eyes to believe in Jesus, who opened the apostles' eyes to understand what does salvation mean? What does it look like to put their trust in Christ? That's the spirit that that teaches them. And it's the Holy Spirit who brought back to their minds these things that Jesus said, John himself, and they wrote it down. I mean, the reason we have a Bible, a New Testament, you know, they weren't writing this stuff down as it happened. No one was taking notes in the upper room, okay? So we're years down the road and, there, and, and John, the Holy Spirit in John is doing what? John's writing, inspired by the Spirit, right? He's writing because the Holy Spirit is bringing to him oh yeah, and then Jesus said, and then Jesus, he's bringing to mind, right? The words that Jesus had spoken. Now, secondary application to you and I. It's the Spirit that teaches us. I believe this with all my heart. Now, it's not to take away from the teacher to prepare, to teach, whatever, uh, responsible to do that. But if you get anything out of this message, or Rob would say any message, it's because the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and is teaching you. And I trust that the Spirit is doing that. Sometimes y'all, you know, and Rob will say the same thing. Sometimes one of you may come up to me and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what you taught, you were like, like you were, like you were talking to me. And I, I, it happens when I sit under teaching. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit teaching. The second part, it's the Spirit who brings to our remembrance, not just the words that Jesus spoke, but this includes the entire Bible. Why do I say that? Because Jesus himself said, right, on the road to Emmaus, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, every book is about me. Everything's pointing to Jesus. <laughs> so when he says he brings, that he brings to remembrance, right, all that I have said, he's not, it's not that he, 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 um, he brings to remembrance, you know, quantum physics and he teaches us those things. No, he's bringing to remembrance all that's related to salvation and life with God and a life of faith. Now, this is so kind of pedantic. I, I know it is, but stay with me. <clears throat> the spirit brings to remembrance. For us to remember something, it means there's something to be remembered that happened earlier. Are you with me? So, so he brings to remembrance. <clears throat> And so the Spirit will bring to our remembrance the words of Scripture that we have read. This is what's been revealed. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the Spirit, the Spirit's not given anybody new revelation. It's been revealed, it's all been revealed. And so, you know, why do why do Rob and I, why do we talk often about read your Bible. Not legalistically, but but spend time in the word. Why why, why do we exhort ourselves in that? (laughs) Exhort you and ourselves even. Because the spirit will then bring to your mind, right, what you've read. But if you have nothing in your, if you have no word in your heart, then what does the spirit work with? That's why the psalmist said, Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Isn't that a picture of this? So the the psalmist, at some time, he he meditated on God's word. It was in him. I don't know. Three days later, 10 days later, 10 years later, he's getting ready to sin. He's getting ready to do something. And what happens? The spirit brings to mind, oh my, the word that he had hidden in his heart. Y'all, it's the same today. And it's why, you know, I, I plead with you that, that, that we would be in the word. And, and Rob and I, again, try to give you just common examples, you know, like, you know, I've walked with you before about a morning prayer I pray. I talk, we, we talk about devotions, quiet times, people call them, but just time in the word. I don't, I don't always remember what I read in my devotions, but I, I try to stay on it, not legalistically, but, but I want that time in the word. But there are times when, for example, in this morning would be one of those. It's I I just been a hard week. No, it hasn't been a hard week, just extremely busy. I was out, at, we were traveling last week and, and late on the message. So I'm working on the message in the wee hours this morning, quite frankly. So, so when, I, when I got to my office to, to work on the message, I've got, I've got to work on this message. But you know what I did? I went, okay, I'm gonna read my proverb of the day. So I just read my proverb of the day because I just want to make sure I just stay on a regimen of the word in my heart. Now there's other things I do when I have a quiet time, but I didn't do it this morning (laughs) because I had to work on this. But I'm only saying that to say to you, is there a regular intake of the word? Even if you don't walk away from that time going, that was amazing. I don't do that often myself, but I read it. I just want to, I want it to be there because the Holy Spirit, when needed, he, he will bring it back to mind and help me understand it and help me live it. The work of the Spirit. Last, the peace of the Spirit. The peace of the Spirit, 27 to 31, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You see the book ends? How did he begin chapter 14? Let not your hearts be troubled. Now he adds, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away. I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the father for the father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, he's speaking of his crucifixion. I've told you everything is gonna happen so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. That's, that's the devil. What do you mean the ruler of this world is coming? Judas is on his way to betray him because the devil is, in, is possessed Judas, you know, and, and is prompting Judas to betray him. He has no claim on me. That's a sermon in and of itself. It's Jesus saying, the devil is coming, but the devil only has a claim on sinners. The devil has no claim on God, who's sinless and holy. he's Jesus saying, the devil has no claim, hold on me. Death has no hold on me. It's preparing us for the crucifixion, right? To recognize Jesus, you know, he didn't die because the devil had a hold of him. No, he died out of obedience, as he says here to the father. But I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Rise, let us go from here. I want you to think for a moment about trouble. And then I'm gonna connect it to peace. Get a trouble in your mind for a moment. Just just let your mind go, what's troubling me (laughs) right now? Get something in your mind. Get get something that you're afraid of right now. You know, you just, your life, you've probably got 10 things, I get it. Get one. Maybe on the low end of the spectrum, it may be on the high end, I don't know, but let's all hold something that's troubling us, something that we're, we're afraid might happen or afraid of. With that, with that in mind, just holding that there for a moment, I want you to flip back to John chapter seven. This is the last day of the feast. Rob covered this so beautifully when he covered it. Verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In other words, you want life? It's in me and it'll flow like living water. Verse 39, now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. See, they, 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 they didn't have the spirit, didn't indwell him at this point. For as yet the spirit had not been given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when Jesus says, I'm leaving in chapter 14, hey, I'm leaving. (coughs) Oh, it troubles him. You can't leave, right? When our plans run into God's plans. Oh, that's not what I hoped and planned. We, we step back from that trouble, that fear. God's plan is always for our good and his glory. It doesn't feel like it at times. But the reason Jesus says, I've got to go, right? And, but he says, I'm going to come back. John says in chapter seven, it's because when he leaves, he's glorified. What is this Jesus, what does it mean? Okay, he's gotta be glorified before he sends his spirit. We've talked about this before. His glory is the cross. I I, I must go and die for your sins. Be buried and rise again in three days. That's, 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 That's his glory. That requires that he, yes, leave for a moment that he died for their sin, your sin, my sin, right? That is his glory. By his obedience, as he says here, I've been, I'm gonna be obedient unto the Father unto death. He secured what? The new covenant for us. He secured our salvation. He secured forgiveness of sins. He secured a righteous, his righteousness covering us and clothing us to put us in a right standing with the Father. And thus, okay, here's where I'm, here's where I'm going with this. And thus we have peace with God. You see, that's the, that would be the greatest loss would be to not be in peace with God in right relationship with him. But Jesus has secured that by his life, by his death and his resurrection. The Holy Spirit opening our eyes to it. The Holy Spirit giving us a new heart, the new covenant, heart of stone replaced by heart of flesh. God in his people that we obey, not from the outside in like we do it, we we, we, you know legalistically obey. No, I'm changed and out of a changed heart by the Holy Spirit. I now obey. I now love God and I follow him with delight. Peace is the word shalom. It is such a multifaceted word. It's the unshakable conviction. See, it's not just, hey, there's peace. There's no more conflict. Hey, they're not fighting anymore. They're at peace. That's that's not peace that he's speaking of. It's a full orb, deeply settled, unshakable conviction that all is well, all is as God intended. It's the conviction God's in control. He's he's ruling and reigning. It's the assurance that God has secured our eternity. It's the deep knowing, deep within that God is not only present in my trouble, because what? The spirit lives in me, but God is working in my trouble for my good and for his glory. Y'all, the world can't give this. This This is a peace the world can't give. Money can't give. Achievement can't give, marriage can't give, children can't give, grandchildren won't give it. Success can't do it. A job move won't give it. A fulfilled bucket list won't touch this piece. (laughs) Only Jesus, only Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to believe it. It's the Holy Spirit who's who's, who's Christ's presence in us. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Christ known to others around us. It's the Holy Spirit who calms our troubled hearts. It's the Spirit. It's trusting the Spirit. I'm gonna put the four points up on the board. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out. I'm gonna give you a moment. And I want you simply to do this, okay? Let's do this. Let's trust the Holy Spirit in us. To apply the peace of Christ in us. To be the presence of Christ in us. So I'm just going to invite you, because I trust the Holy Spirit, to show you what your own application might be. What do you need the Spirit to do for you and in you? You can ask Him. You can ask Him. Take a moment. And bring your trouble and bring your fear to him. Let me ask you to take your communion elements, if you would, and stand. Take the bread off the top. You can step outside if, you're, if you didn't grab one. We come to this table week by week. It's such an appropriate place to come as we speak of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, Jesus is going to have so much to say about the Spirit. We'll cover that in the coming messages. Hold the bread and hold the cup if you would. Holy Spirit, it's you who open our eyes to see that Jesus's body was broken for us. He took on the curse of sin in his body, in his person. And he did it for us. And at this table week by week, we remember it. In Holy Spirit, you bring it to our mind during the week. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken. Receive the bread. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood poured out, your blood is life you gave your life Holy Spirit open our eyes to see more clearly the cost to Jesus in saving us that we might more fully, more deeply fall on our knees to say thank you at this table we remember your crucifixion, your burial, your death, Lord Jesus, your resurrection. Holy Spirit, bring this to mind throughout our week. That we're secure in Christ in all that he did, not what we do. Receive the cup. earlier that the holy spirit's the forgotten member of the trinity you know how we kind of we we kind of miss him there's actually a reason for that it's because the holy spirit lives to shine the spotlight on jesus so we don't ever we're not we're never looking at the Spirit. It's like the Spirit's the spotlight. That's, we're looking at where the spotlight's shining. It's always on Christ. Why? Because, because the whole story of the gospel and the whole story of the Bible is Jesus. It's by the Spirit that we exalt and lift him up. And so if your, if your attention is ever on anything but, but Jesus, probably not the Spirit doing that because the Spirit's just going <laughs> to keep going, going Jesus. Jesus, you know, we want to go here. He goes, Jesus. So how appropriate that this morning we would conclude our time by the power of the Spirit, exalting our King of Kings who secured our peace by His own life, death, and resurrection. Perhaps uh, you would like to pray with someone. There's people up front we have. I'm down here. If, if we can pray with you, the Spirit so prompts you to come down and have a, have a trouble or you know something that you just go, would you pray with me? We would absolutely love to do that. I'll leave you with a word from Paul, Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy And peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And may I add, may we take that hope by the power of the Holy Spirit to every person God puts in our path this week. Amen and God bless.